Amen. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, worship team. You guys have a great worship team here at the East Campus. Can I get some applause for that? My name is, uh, is Ryan Ritchie. I'm very excited to be here with you today. This is kind of the, the day or, or one of two days across America where all sorts of youth pastors and associate pastors and understudies get the opportunity to fill the pulpit on holiday weekends so that our pastors can take some time off with their family. And so uh, I'm very blessed uh, to be here with you. Uh, Carly and I spend most of our days at the Oviedo campus. Uh, I'm the worship associate there, and maybe you have seen me as the singer dude. Uh, well, that's me. And, uh, and uh, we're excited to be here. This is kind of like a second home for us. Uh, so anytime we get to be here, we, we, we recognize faces, we know some stories and some families, and so we're happy to do that. Doug has become uh, like a very close friend of, of mine and a close confidant on staff with me. Patrick and I have been worship buddies for a long time now, since back in the day, and so it feels like a second home, and I'm grateful to both of them for having the opportunity to, to be here and, and speak with you today. Uh, we're going to be reading from the book of Lamentations today, and so if you have your Bibles or your phones or whatever mobile device you're using, go ahead and pull that out, and, and let's look up Lamentations in chapter 3. Uh, this week, we have the great joy of rolling over the calendar into uh, a new year, and so I wanted to share this morning a message entitled, What's New? What's New? And so if you have uh, that open, let's go ahead and stand up and let's read uh, scripture together, uh, the word of God from Lamentations in chapter 3. Starting in verse 21, it says this, it says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Can I get an amen? amen. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, and therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him and to the soul who seeks him. God, we thank you so much for your word this morning and what it means to us. We thank you for your great faithfulness to us. And God, we ask you to speak to us today. Remind us of your mercy. Transform us with your grace once again. And God, all across the country today, as there are understudies and associate pastors preaching the word just like me here, I pray that you would fill us up today to preach your word in a powerful way. Use us to the glory of your name. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So what's new? What's new? What's going on? Somebody tell me. How's it going? How was Christmas? Was it great? Some of you guys have new toys, right? Some of you guys have new things. Uh, what's something you got for Christmas? A knife block? That's new. That's useful. Anybody else? A Bluetooth car radio, also very useful. Yes. So uh, nobody wants to ask. Uh, nobody wants to ask me. What's new? Yeah, what's new with us? Well, uh, for Christmas, uh, my wife Carly and I, who just celebrated our seventh wedding, wedding anniversary, got our fourth child for Christmas. And so you can do the math on that and go to your knees right now and thank the Lord above that you live where you live and not where we live with uh, four kids under the age of six. And they're all boys and they're all wonderful. They're sitting right here and uh, they're going to be making a bunch of noise. And so this morning, what I thought I would do uh, since I don't have a Facebook page, was annoy you with pictures and stories about my kids and my family, right? So that's what we're going to do today, okay? Uh, so let's just put that first picture up of all four of them. This is one that Carly took. Uh, and so there's the crew, and then you can't really read the shirt. It says new to the crew. And so new, that's what's new right there. That little guy, he's new. Uh, God's been doing all sorts of new things in our family. And so go to the next one. I'm just going to share a st story and a picture about each of, of our kids. This is our, our second born son. His name is Nolan. Nolan, wave your hand, Nolan. 
No, he's not going to wave his hand. Okay, good. Nolan was born on New Year's Eve 2014, New Year's Eve. And as I was telling this story and kind of talking to Pastor Doug about what I was going to share this morning, he said, well, I have a son that was born on New Year's Eve. Maybe he's told you that story, but James was born on New Year's Eve. Is that right? He was born on New Year's Eve about 10 minutes to midnight, and uh, ours was born three minutes to midnight. So we beat him, right? So we won. Uh, And that's the funny story about how that all went down. Uh, He was actually due on Christmas Eve. And so I had bought this kind of December necklace and thing I was going to give to Carly afterward as just kind of a present to make her feel better about herself and kind of a crummy time there. But um, it had a December birthstone in it. And, uh, and then as he went later and later and he wasn't here and he wasn't here, uh, I was getting a little nervous about my December birthstone. And we actually got to New Year's Eve and we were going to go in to try and schedule an induction. And they said, well, it's a holiday, so your doctor doesn't really want to schedule an elective induction on a holiday. And I was like, no, we're here. We're in. And so one of us kind of, one of the nurses gave a little wink to Carly and was like, if you like, if you tell them that you're nervous, you know, or you're feeling a little weird, or maybe something hurts, like, they'll go ahead and get you in, and so we kind of did that, we like showed up, we're like, all right, we're nervous, we want to get us in, and so we did, and and, uh, and we had the induction, and the way that works, if you've never had one, is it's a little drip that they give you, a little drug called Pitocin, and so with her, they were like, since this is your first induction, we're going to start you out on something that's like a low dosage, something very small, like maybe half of what we usually start out, and I was like, no, go, go, push it, push it, and so there was a little plus sign on the little box where they were the little drip, and I kept hitting the plus sign the entire time, like, move it, move it along, I've got this thing, and so it, it went about, it was actually a, not a very long labor at all, and so it got down to the time, it's, it's about 10 minutes to, to midnight, and, and I'm like, pray into the Lord, make this a quick one, let's go, here we go, and Carly, you got 10 minutes left, all right, let's push it. <laughs> All the nurses were in the room with a big basket. They were ready to adorn him, the first baby of the new year. And I was like, get out, okay? And it worked. It worked. He was there three minutes to midnight because I was watching that clock, okay? They actually checked him into the hospital at 12.05, admitted him, and they said that was his birthday. I was like, no, we need to change that right now, okay? I was here. I saw it. I saw it. But that was him. That was Nolan on New Year's Eve. And every time we come to a New Year's Eve, a new year, it just kind of reminds me of a God that does new things. We have a God who's in the business of doing new things, and the calendar is a reminder of that. In Isaiah, uh, it says this, it says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old, for behold, I do a new thing, and now it springs forth to you, perceive it. In Revelation, John writes, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. The God who made everything brand new is constantly remaking everything brand new. So what are some of those new things? As we can kind of go back to our, our passage in Lamentations, I want us to kind of peer at, at what are some of those new things. And the first two things on your list there that I want us to write down is that he gives us new mercies for new sorrows. He gives us new mercies for new sorrows. And so as we looked in verse 21, the very first word we see there is what? But, thank you, somebody said that, somebody small. I had a professor in college that said, anytime you see a butt, check your butt, uh, which just means to kind of look back. Uh, And so as we look back through Lamentations and get the understanding of what is going on here, this is a very little book in the Old Testament, and it was written by the prophet Jeremiah in response to the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians, and it really, it tells a horrible picture of destruction. It tells the picture of, of, of a loss of life and starvation. It's really a, a very miserable story that's painted here in the book of Lamentations. 
But right here in the middle of the book, he gives us a but. He, he gives us a but, and we can move forward with some of the sweetest words that God gives us about himself. You know, this book of Lamentations is actually a part of Orthodox Jewish tradition. The, 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 the tradition holds that the city of Jerusalem was actually ransacked and burned to the ground on August 14th. And so every year, Orthodox Jews on August 14th will read the entire book of Lamentations aloud in its original Hebrew language. That's just something they do to remember the destruction. It's a beautiful book of poetry. Uh, every verse in each chapter is an acrostic of the Hebrew language. And so uh, it will start with the first letter of the Hebrew language, one verse, and the next verse will start with the next letter of the Hebrew language. It's very, very beautiful. But in its beauty, it doesn't lose the passion that Jeremiah is crying out of the destruction and devastation of what is happening. But he says, but I call to mind that I have hope that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. And then he says this beautiful line, they are new every morning. They are new every morning. There's another but in scripture that we can kind of call to mind whenever I read this, I think of that. I think of Ephesians chapter two, where really Paul writes of our destruction, of our devastation, of our inner uh, just horror. He talks about, he starts in, in, in verse 1 of chapter 2 in Ephesians. He says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is worked in the sons of disobedience, among whom all once lived in the passions of our flesh. We all did carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's our lament. And then he says, but God, being rich in, and you can almost just add in there, being rich in new mercy. Being rich in new mercy, if we add in what Jeremiah says, because Jeremiah says that they're new every morning. And so you're not having to put on your, 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 your mercies that are old for today's problems. You're not using yesterday's mercies for today's problems. You're using today's mercies for today's problems. So we got to look a little bit about what God's mercy is. And I think when we look at what God's mercy is, if you're a believer in Christ, you've come to the understanding of his eternal grace and mercy. We have that understanding, right? If we were to define grace, we define grace as uh, receiving a gift that you don't deserve. We, we sort of understand that definition of grace. And when we define mercy, we define mercy as not receiving a punishment that you do deserve. Okay. And that's really what we define mercy as. And in the eternal sense, as a believer, as a Christian, we kind of understand that we've all received the grace of salvation, the gift of Jesus Christ, that he came and he died on the cross to save us from our sins. That's a gift that we don't deserve. And he took the cross, which is the punishment we do deserve. We understand the eternal sense of grace and mercy. But what Jeremiah is trying to get us to understand here is there is a daily sense of grace and mercy that is given to you new every morning. See, every day I believe God gives us an equal sense of pleasure and pain. We live in a world that is still captivated by sin and devastation, that's still ruled by the power of darkness, but we also live in a world that's never been free from the presence of God. That's a, that's a, a, a kind of a principle that Dr. Mercer has been trying to kind of instill in us at the Oviedo campus is just imagine, just think for a second that you have never lived in a world separate from the presence of God. 
And so even though we live in a world that's, that's torn, that's broken, we feel the weight of sin within us on a daily basis, we also have an equity of grace and mercy, an equity of the power and the working of God in our life. It's kind of like manna. If you think back to Israelites in the Old Testament, right, um, they were starving in the desert and they were roaming and they had nothing to eat and God provided for them manna from heaven, which was uh, a food. Uh, uh, it was like, what is this? And that was kind of the word manna just meant like, what is this? They don't even know what to call it. And so it was just this bland thing, but it provided a sustenance for them to eat. And God gave them only enough manna to get through the day. It wasn't like they were going to take the manna and, and store it in some silo and, and wait and have enough so that they could survive tomorrow. They weren't worried about tomorrow. They were worried about today, and God gave them enough manna for today. And so it's that phrase, new every morning, that really gives me great confidence that each day's mercies, each day's kindness is specifically given for that day. Ponder that for a moment. Let that, let that sink in. His mercies are new. Why are they new every morning? Why does it happen that way? Why does it, why does it work that way? Just think if you have a, a nice uh, lunch that you're about to go to this afternoon. Maybe you like Outback. I like Outback. Outback is great. They have decent steaks. I really like the, the Bloomin' Onion. That's delicious. Maybe you go there and you're not done with your steak, and so you box it up, and you take it home, and you put it in the fridge. Then tomorrow morning, uh, you're going to heat that up. You're going to say, oh, I want steak for breakfast. Here we go. Steak and eggs. Outback steak. Well, if, if you had a new Outback steak every morning... Why would you go pull the one out of the fridge, right? You would say, no, I've, I've got new Outback steak today. I'm definitely going to do that. And so there's one reason for that. He gives us new mercies for each day. But the other reason is this. Enough comes for the day. And so we need to start to learn as believers to live on God day by day. That's how we live on God. We can live on him day by day to rely on him day by day, or we really don't live on him at all. If you're looking for a God that's going to give you everything you need from here to eternity and everything you need to tackle, everything you're going to deal with in life, it's not how God works. And you've probably lived long enough to understand that principle, right? Like each of us have probably been through something that takes you to the end of what you have, you're running on empty and you think there's no way I'm going to be able to last tomorrow. And then you wake up tomorrow and God says, I got, I got tomorrow too. I got tomorrow too. And so we really, we, we shouldn't compound today's load by fretting over what tomorrow's load is. But you think, well, what about tomorrow? What's going to become of, of my kids? What will they believe? Or, 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 or will they forsake the righteousness that I believe in? What about my health? What about their health? Will I go blind, deaf? Will I lose memory? Who's going to take care of me? What's going to become of our marriages? What's going to become of this church? What about tomorrow? What about Wednesday? What about next Sunday? Will God continue to bring people? Will we grow? Will we have a new campus? Will we be able to, to do all of the missions that he has in store for us? Are we going to be able to love God and love people? Are we going to stand up for his righteousness? What about tomorrow? Well, tomorrow's mercies are good for tomorrow. Tomorrow's mercies are good for tomorrow. And that, that kind of brings us to the new sorrows um, that we deal with. The book is called Lamentations. Lamentations, lamentations, okay? It's a book of laments. Get, get the picture? Which means, it, it, the word lament means to mourn or to passionately cry out in sorrow. There's, there's some problems going on here that Jeremiah is writing about. Actually, the, 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 the title of the word in, uh, in, in Hebrew comes from the word ekna, and ekna means just how 
or why. It's just kind of a question. And if you look at the first uh, verse in Lamentations, in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, How lonely sits the city that was once full of people. If you look at chapter 2 and verse 1, chapter 2 and verse 1 says, How the Lord is in anger, and he has set his anger against the daughter of Zion. Right? Chapter 4, verse 1, it says, how the gold has grown dim. You get the picture. There's some things going on, and we don't understand how they're happening, but they have. And so a common theme in Old Testament scripture is for the, 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 the title of the book to either be titled who wrote it or really what the first word or what the first theme is in the book. And so that word how becomes the title of the book, Lamentations, how, how things have gone so wrong. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet for a reason. He's crying out. His prophecy was all about trying to help the city of Jerusalem understand all of what they were doing wrong and repent and turn from their wicked ways so that they would not see the judgment of God. And then once they did see the judgment of God, and he didn't go into this version of I told you so, he basically was trying to give them a way out a way to understand how to deal with the trials of life, how to still lean on God even through what you're going through and still God's people don't listen. And so he's the weeping prophet because he's crying out and lament about what his city is going through. We have another book that has many laments in it. It's called the book of Psalms, which Psalms actually means the book of praise. And it's kind of ironic that the book of praise has more than 70% of its Psalms filled with laments. That's, that's what most of them are. The book of praise is mostly filled with laments. And so I think what the author of Psalms is trying to get you to realize is it's okay to cry out how and why. If something isn't wrong, it probably should scare you. If everything in life is just all good, you're, you're, you're probably not doing it right. And so I, I want to share a story of some of the sorrows we went through this year. Um, and it's really not that sorrowful, so don't cry yet. Uh, but this is a picture of our, our third-born son, Major, um, in, uh, in an emergency, uh, what do you call that? Somebody help me. Gurney. Gurney yes, there you go. Um, and I took this picture, uh, this way cause it makes it look like he was flying in the helicopter, but he didn't. Um, he actually rode in an ambulance, but, um, we had these symptoms that kept coming up with him. He had, um, blood that was kind of pouring out of his gums in a way that we couldn't understand. Uh, we woke up one morning and it was just covering the bed sheets. He had a rash that was all over his body, and it was not something we knew what to do. And so my brother, who's a doctor, we called him, and he said, you should probably take him to the emergency room. Um, we think it's okay, but you should probably go. And so we went, and um, when we got there, they immediately did a, a blood test on him, and um, they, they had a thing called a platelet count. I don't know what it is because I'm not a doctor, but it was extremely low. It was, you're supposed to have something in the 150s, and he had something less than two. Uh, and so they immediately uh, called for an ambulance, and we were like, you know, they wanted to get him to the, the children's hospital downtown, and we said, well, we can, we can drive him there. It's not a big deal. They said, no, I don't think you realize, like, it is a big deal, and if he hits his head one way or the other, if he bumps his bruises one way or the other, it could cause an internal bleed that could really be harmful, and so we're going to strap him up, and we're going to take him, and it was the scariest thing uh, seeing him get in the door of the ambulance, and Carly and I weren't allowed to ride in there with him, and to see the doors close and to him cry out was probably the worst time that I've been through. And so we had questions. We had doubts. We had concerns about what tomorrow was going to look like. Um, when we got to the hospital, they had admitted him into what was the cancer wing. And so we immediately are like, whoa, like what is going on? 
But it, it wasn't for today for us to worry about tomorrow. It was really meant for us to trust. It was really meant for us to lean on God in that moment. And so we have to understand that tomorrow's mercies are for tomorrow's problems. The strength to live tomorrow is not going to be given today, but it will be given. It's a promise. Our task today is not to have the strength needed for tomorrow's burdens or to wonder or worry about tomorrow. And so that kind of brings out another verse that I think we can all remember and relate to. It's, it's in Matthew 6. as Jesus. He says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, but for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let me tell you what I don't think this means. I don't think this means don't make any preparations for tomorrow. Okay? Any farmer will tell you that the thought of today's, or the thought of tomorrow's empty silos should cause you to plant everything you need and sow your field for the crop that you need for tomorrow and for the coming months. And so almost everything that's worth doing in life requires some forethought, some planning and preparation. Even Jesus said, which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether you have enough to complete it? And so the point of Matthew 6.34 here is not don't make wise preparations. The point is don't bring the troubles of uncertainty of carrying out those preparations into today. Enough trouble is given for each day. And so uh, God gives us the mercy not to deal with tomorrow's problems. We're not sitting in that, that cancer wing of the hospital having to figure out every single thing. We take it a moment at a time with the mercy that God gives us for that moment. We take it a day at a time with the mercy that God gives us for that day. He's very, very fine. Um, the, the, the treatment that they gave him worked uh, beautifully. Um, we've been going back for checkups, and uh, everything seems to be trending in an absolutely positive direction. They hope it's not something that's lifelong, so I just wanted to leave you with that. But for us, that was a miracle-working thing. That when, when if you were to talk to us there, it seemed like it was horrible. And I remember being on the phone with Pastor, kind of crying about what we're going through. Um, but, but, but just days later, God worked something in our life that we can just credit to him as, uh, as dealing with our life and his merciful and wonderful ways. The illustration here that I want to use also, um, I'm, a, I'm part of the worship team at Oviedo, and uh, I know Patrick is a part of this worship team, leads this team, and each week, uh, him and I put together a worship services. And um, we could sit there each week and try to piece together every little thing and uh, start to kind of worry about some of those details. And, and there's preparations that need to be made to make a church service go on, to, to glorify his name. We want to be prepared. We want to be ready. But if we start to cross over into, well, who's going to show up? Well, what is God going to do? Well, I wonder if this is going to work. Is this going to be good enough? Are we going to have enough people? Are we going to have a big enough offering? If we start to kind of peer into every single little question and worry about it, well, that's not giving God the credit for what God's about to do, right? That's trying to, 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 to fill in the blanks on our own. That kind of crosses over from dealing with today's sufficient burden, which is preparation, and begins to worry about tomorrow's problem, which is how it's going to be received. It's spiritually, it's really a dangerous concept for us to kind of teeter on. Because today's mercies are given for today's burdens, not tomorrow's. Um, I want to talk about a story of Cassie Bernal. Anybody heard that name, Cassie Bernal? Uh, when I was growing up, um, the Columbine shooting was one of the more impactful um, kind of uh, social events that took place. And uh, it was really, for me, one of the first times that a mass shooting ever entered real life. Um, I was kind of late middle school, early high school or something like that. And so it became a very real circumstance. And out of the middle of that tragedy... 
um, a mass shooting at a high school, uh, the, the story of this young woman uh, kind of surfaced to light. And if you don't know the story, I'm going to share just a little bit of it. But um, she's in a library with several other folks, and uh, these gunmen are circling the campus, firing in all directions. They come into this library, and as the story goes, they're kind of pranking with the individuals there uh, in the library. They've got these guns, and they're playing like peekaboo with their guns, and they're just joking with them and toying with them in a large way. And most of the people that were there had kind of run and fled, except for this one young lady who just kind of stayed where she was, reading what was in her hands, which was the Word of God. And so seeing that she was holding the Bible, a gunman took his, his gun and held it up to her head and asked her, do you believe in God? So I want to stop right here and ask you, how do you feel? Are you putting yourself in her place? Are you asking yourself the question, what would I have said? Would I have said yes? Would I have stood up for what I believed in in the face of certain danger? And I want you to know that what I'm trying to tell you this morning is you don't need to know the answer to that question. You don't need to fill that blank in. That's not what your today is about. What God calls you to is not to have the power to do what Cassie did necessarily, which what she did was say absolutely, and she gave her life up. But God's not calling you to do what she did. He's asking you to trust him that when the time comes, he'll give you what you need to do what you can do. So don't be anxious about tomorrow. The troubles and the mercies are appointed day by day. And we need to know that. We need to understand that. That's so important in the Christian life. The other thing that's really important that we can see is that Jeremiah sings a new song here. Right here in the middle of the passage, he says, he says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And then he pauses. I can almost hear a stop in his pen. He picks down, puts down one pen maybe and picks up another pen. And he writes, maybe even in all caps with exclamation points, great is thy faithfulness. It's a song we've been singing ever since. Great is thy faithfulness, Right? You look at today's problems and you see, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, his mercies are new. We need to stop sometimes and sing his praises. We need to stop sometimes and put a new song in our hearts. And so I want to introduce you to our firstborn son. Tucker, can you wave your hand? Hi, yeah, he's going to wave his hand. Yeah, that's me. There it is. So look at this picture. That's exactly him right there. Boom. To infinity and beyond. Tucker loves to sing, don't you? Tucker loves to sing. And the funny thing about Tucker is he will sing nonstop. He will sing anything and everything. He will make up the words to anything. We were out to a staff lunch one week, and I was picking up Tucker from uh, VPK and kind of took him to lunch with us, and I got there before the rest of the staff did. And so we got lunch. We sat down. There was a little kid's table that he sat at, and I got a, a little table prepared for everybody else. And uh, the first person to show up was Pastor Mercer, and, and he didn't really know my son at that point, um, just didn't, maybe he didn't remember or whatever, but Tucker's sitting at the kid's table, and he's just singing, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is God's son. That's what he's singing, just singing that song of VBS over and over again, and Pastor Mercer's filling up his cup and looking at this kid strange like, amen, there we go, all right. <laughs> That's Tucker. He loves to sing. We were sitting down at Thanksgiving this year, and he just starts singing this Thanksgiving song. And we're like, wow, I didn't know there was a Thanksgiving song. He goes, yeah, I just made it up. I just made it up. I just made it up. He's cool. He's cool. He sings a new song, and we should all kind of be willing to sing a new song. We should all be willing to praise our God. We need to stop sometimes and be amazed. Because, look, we already talked about it. He's got today. 
right? He's got tomorrow. So what's left to do? Just praise his name. He's got today. He's got tomorrow. So praise his name. Amazement takes a little bit of effort nowadays, I think. We're, we're, we're used to a world where we can just figure everything out, right? You can Google it and got the answer, boom. I, I, if I don't know how it works, I can watch that show, how it works or how it's made. And I know how it's made and I know how it works. Uh, we all have these scientific answers to every single question that we want. And so it actually takes a little bit of effort to be amazed. And so maybe when the question today is, when's the last time you were actually awed at something? And maybe you need mercy just to soften your heart and show you how to be amazed. Think about the creation for a minute. One of the biggest questions in Christianity is, how did God make the world, right? Like, that's number one. If you're sharing your faith with people, one of the very first things they're going to go to is, yeah, well, what about evolution, right? Well, what about the Big Bang? What about this or that? And you could go to Scripture, and you could read all of it, but it's not going to answer all the questions for you. It's not going to give you the, the exact scientific or right answer for every single question you might come up with, but that's not the point. God didn't put it in Scripture so that we would know every single answer exactly how it was done because we wouldn't understand it or comprehend it anyway. The point is, it's amazing, right? Be amazed. Stop trying to answer the questions and just be amazed. It's like that song, Mary, Did You Know? We all try to say, well, Mary did know. Okay, well, maybe, but it was still pretty amazing, wasn't it? Like the whole birth thing, the whole uh, Holy Spirit thing, the whole wise men thing, the fact that Jesus, uh, the, the Savior of the world, the God that has been there since the beginning of time came down into, think about this, what is the most innocent creature in all of creation? It's amazing. It's amazing. And so when's the last time you've been amazed? When's the last time you have sung a new song of praise? And we really, finally, we should sing a new song because he gives us new life. And that's what I, the last thing I want us to look at today. We've talked about new mercies. We've talked about new mercies for new sorrows. We've talked about singing a new song. And now I want to talk about a new life. And so let's look there at verse 24 before we close. Verse 24, it says, the Lord is my portion. Say portion. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. Portion. We're used to hearing this word portion in scripture, and I don't know that we all really understand it, okay? So I want to point out a few psalms and give us a quick definition of the word portion, okay? This is from Psalm 16. It says, Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future, okay? Portion, future. Psalm 105 says, I will give you the land of Canaan to you as your inherited portion, inherited portion, land, portion. Portion is really a real estate term in scripture. That's kind of what it is. It's meant as this is your, uh, this is your portion. This is the, the, the section of land that I give to you. This is the future, right? Because land is kind of like uh, an inheritance. This is the future I give to you. And so that's really what he's saying. So now, okay, we have real estate, we have land, we have future. Now think about where the uh, Israelites are at this time, right? We talked about lamentations, lamentations. Okay, and if we look at the rest of the book, what is Jeremiah saying here in the middle? Okay, destruction, exile, loss of life, portion. He's changing the narrative, y'all. He's trying to get us to understand it's not about land anymore. No matter where you are, you may be taken to the far reaches of the earth. You may not have what you thought you would have. This may not work out the way that you thought it would work out. But your portion is secure. Your portion is eternal. Your portion is untouchable. They can take Canaan away from us. They can ransack the temple of Jerusalem, but they can never touch our portion. They can never touch our inheritance. That's what he's trying to say to us. 
Paul says this to us in Romans 8. He says, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor present or things to come or powers or the heights or depths nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from our portion, from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, if any wasn't in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come and the new is untouchable. It's our inheritance. It's our portion. And we need to understand that Christ's inheritance results in our justification. That's what we know. Christ's inheritance results in eternal life. And Christ's inheritance results in our righteousness. And those are the things that when you accept Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior, and you release yourself over to a new self, to a new life, you have a portion that cannot be touched. New self. That's a phrase we've heard before. Ephesians 4, put off the old self, which belongs to the former manner of life, for it is corrupt through the deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self. And I love this part. Put on the new self. Created after the likeness of God. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Created after the likeness of God. What does that sound like? That sounds like creation. That sounds like Adam. That sounds like really not the new self, but the original self. The original self. Think about that for a minute. God tells us to put on the new self created after the likeness of God, but that's how he made us in the beginning. So really, when sin entered the world, God's been trying to pursue us to take us back to what he originally designed us to be from the very beginning. He has a portion for us. You ever seen that show, Fixer Upper? What's the, the tagline of Fixer Upper, right? We take the, 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 the worst house in the best neighborhood and make it our client's dream home. Like, that's what they say. It's really, it's about renovation. The whole show is about renovation. And so they find the dustiest, dirtiest old thing, and they put a new uh, slab of paint on it. They rip off something that's uh, old, and miraculously, they find pine floors that they don't have to do anything with and shiplap on the wall, and they can just put new paint on it and oil it up. And look, wait, hey, it's brand new. Um, well, that's really, that's about renovation. But in Psalms, David says, he restores my soul. Our God is not in the business of renovation. He's not trying to lacquer you up with new paint and a new look and make you somehow look differently than what he created you to be. No, he's about restoration. He's trying to restore you to your new self, which is really the original self, what he designed you to be from the beginning of creation. He wants to restore you to new life. New life. Okay, so here's the last son. This is uh, Rankin. Yeah. Wave your hand, Rankin. Just kidding. He says, howdy, y'all. I'm new here. That's funny. Rankin. So God gave us new life. And any time uh, you, you get to experience the birth of a child, especially at Christmas time, which is the second one we've had around that time of the year, it's amazing to kind of juxtapose the new life that comes in and the new life that comes in. The new life that came into the world through, through Rankin Broderick, our son, and the new life that comes into the world through Jesus Christ that can come into your heart and save you. We have a God who's in the business of making things new. We talked about it. He gives us new mercy for new sorrows so we can sing a new song because we have new life. That's what he does. He made everything, and he's remaking everything. He made you and me, and he wants to remake you and me. 
sin entered the world, and ever since then, he's been pursuing us so that he can do a new thing. He offers us new manna and new mercies for every new day. When we see a new moon, we can remember him. When we see a new rainbow, we can know that he cares for us. 2,000 years ago, he started a new testament with a new Adam, a new Moses who broke new bread and poured out new wine to give us a new covenant. And before his work is done, he's going to usher in a new heaven and a new earth because behold, I make all things new. That's what he says. He made a new way to new life, and he wants a new relationship with every one of his children. He wants a new you this new year. And so I want you to think about that. I want to go back to that picture of Nolan. Can you throw Nolan up there on the screen? This is Nolan. Not that one. It's coming. There he is in his cute little jacket. Hey, Nolan. (laughs) So every year, his birthday is on, on New Year's Eve, and every year, three minutes to midnight, we count it down. Okay, not midnight. Okay, we don't count down midnight. We count three, three minutes to midnight. That's kind of what we do in our house. And we tell him the whole world is pulling off fireworks just for him. Look at all these fireworks just for your birthday, man. Look what mom and dad did. We're so cool. <laughs> what I want you to know there, this, this year, as, as you go through your New Year's experience, whatever it is you're going to do, maybe you're going to watch them on television, maybe you're going to go somewhere like Disney or Celebration or downtown or something like that and watch the fireworks. I want you to know when you look up, count every spark, count every flame, every ember, every color that shoots off and know how much more God has saved you from. Know how much more his mercies are new each and every day from now to eternity. You might think to yourself, well, well, what do I need God's mercies for this year? And I want that to be a serious question. What do I need God's mercies for this year? Well, maybe, maybe you need awe-inspiring mercies. Maybe you need to be inspired again. Maybe you need to be amazed again. Maybe you need strengthening mercies for what you're going through today. Maybe you need hope-giving mercies. Maybe you need transforming mercies. You're in this room and you might say, I've never had my life transformed by the saving power of Jesus Christ. And so in this room, just a few minutes, we're going to give you a chance to accept his transforming mercies. Maybe you need provision-making mercies and you would pray and cry out to God, God, I need you to provide for me this year. Maybe you need glory-revealing mercies just to be able to see the wonder and power and majesty of Jesus Christ. And maybe if none of those work, each of us could use a little bit of courage-giving mercies to be able to take the good news that he's placed in your heart and share it with everyone that you know. And so I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. I want to pray for you that you would accept God's mercies anew and afresh into your life and into your heart. God, we thank you for how your word touches us, for how it moves us and transforms us. And God, I pray that each person in this room accepts your free gift of grace and mercy, not just for eternity, but also on a daily basis in this place today. That as, as the new year kicks off, we can understand the new life that we have. We can sing a new song and we can reach out to be blessed by your mercies once again. If you're in this room this morning and you have never experienced the fresh mercy of Jesus Christ pour over your heart, I want you to know it's the most important decision you can make in your entire life. It's so difficult to go through life alone. It's so difficult to go through life without understanding that you can be transformed, you can be made new. You don't have to deal with today's burdens and today's problems without the the glory and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And so if you would say, I want to accept that free gift of grace and mercy today, just pray this prayer with me. 
Just pray a prayer that says, Jesus Christ, dear Lord, I call out to you and confess my need for you today. I understand that I have sinned against you, that, that I have wronged you, and you've been pursuing me, God. And Lord, I thank you for that. And so today, for the very first time, I reach out and I want to say yes. I want to accept that gift of grace and mercy in my life today. I want you to make me a new self. I want you to give me new life for the very first time. And you could just close that by, by praising him and saying amen. And so if you're in this room and, and you've made a decision like that, just ask that in a few moments when Patrick and the band start to play, I'm going to stay up here. I want to pray for you. And if you would just have the bravery and the courage to come down and say, I, I've made that decision and, and, and you want to pray with me, I'd love to have the opportunity to do that. If you're in this room and you say, it's been a while since I've been amazed, would you just reach out and say, God, please give me your awe-inspiring mercies for tomorrow. Give me your glory-revealing mercies for today so that I can walk through this life amazed by you with glory shining off of my face so that everyone around me could see the love and mercy of Jesus Christ. It's a gift that all of us get to exercise daily. And so as we, we stand and we, pr uh, we praise God one more time this morning, Let's remember his new mercies, his new thing that he wants to do in our life. Would you stand to your feet? And if you have a decision you want to make, if you want some prayer, this altar is open. These steps are open to pray and reach out and, and, and ask God to bring his mercies anew into your heart as we sing.